evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the next episode of the Coaching Confidence Podcast. My name is David Bertelsall and I'm going to be leading this podcast, which is actually led by you guys, because all of the questions that I'm going to be answering today are questions that have come directly from the people that follow me on Instagram. <clears throat> this podcast is about coaching confidence. It says it in the name. The whole focus is on educating you guys, on breaking down boundaries, on allowing the conversations to be had, which, which help people become more confident. So we generally talk about training, we generally talk about nutrition, and we generally talk around mindset, mentality, masculinity, relationships, dating, basically anything that you guys want to talk about, that's what we do here. And if you want your questions to get on to the Coaching Confidence podcast, then all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at david.bertwistle. And then a day before the podcast goes live, I'll be putting up a little questionnaire that you guys can fill in on my story. So this is like a perfect opportunity. If you want to get your questions in, that's all you have to do. And then we'll go through them next day. Each podcast, I'll be answering roughly three questions on training, on nutrition, and on mindset. So you'll know that you're always going to get a little bit of a mix of things, and um, we're going to be trying to cover off various different topics. Um, so today, we've had some brilliant questions come in. You guys have been on this. I must say, you're absolutely fantastic getting those questions in. We've had a brilliant variety of stuff. We're going to be touching on... Uh, Diabetic, if you're pre-diabetic, type 2 pre-diabetes, how do you eat to try and recover from training? We're going to be touching on if you should be having carbs post-workout if you're trying to lose weight. We're also going to be talking about how to gain muscle without gaining fat. Uh, with your training, we're going to be talking about if someone's really overweight, what's the best thing that they can do to start moving, to start that process, um, especially if they've got sore joints and problems, other problems associated with being really overweight. Um, we're gonna be talking about how to get abs for females. That's a topic which I think is gonna be quite the discussion. And then also what I personally do on recovery days. So how do I choose to recover and whether you guys should be doing that as well. In terms of mindset stuff, we're gonna be discussing what does it mean to be a man? What do I think it means to be a man? Whether you guys agree with that or not. Um, we're also going to be talking about how to balance aesthetic with performance goals in your training. Now, why have I put that in mindset? I've put that in mindset because for me, this is going to come down to goal setting and where your head's at and that kind of thing, like what matters most to you. And then finally, we're going to be talking about whether how physical activity can affect mental health and the link between the two things. So that is what is coming up in today's podcast. Hopefully you guys are going to be tuning in all the way along this journey, all the way to the end. And um, if you are enjoying this, please make sure to leave a positive review. Um, this all helps for more people to find it if we get positive reviews. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, please give it five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share. If you're watching this on Instagram, show some love, double tap that screen. I want to see those hearts. And I appreciate every single one of you guys that's taking your time out of your day to engage in what we're doing here. So, first off, I'm going to have a little swig of water. 
You guys, if you don't have one of these, you should get it for your house. Basically glass bottles, keep them in the fridge, stash them full of water. Fantastic, much better than plastic. So, very first thing we're gonna go straight into, nutrition chat. Type two pre-diabetic individual. They wanted to know, they asked me a question, what should they do to recover after a workout, bearing in mind that they're pre-diabetic? And although it is a little bit more risky if someone's pre-diabetic, um, meaning that they're really sensitive to insulin and, and um, glycogen, they, uh, basically, if you're pre-diabetic, if you have sugar, that's pretty bad. And that's why people develop type 2 diabetes is because they basically overdo sugar for a long period of time and their body just like ends up not being able to process it. So the interesting thing is that I actually don't think that a post, uh, sorry, a pre-diabetic individual's post-workout nutrition should be really any different to any other person. Post-workout nutrition for the vast majority of people should just be a simple protein, carbohydrate, fat meal. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be sugar. It doesn't have to be anything like that. There's really no need to overcomplicate things. For the majority of people, uh, if you're looking to gain muscle or if you're looking to maintain muscle whilst in a deficit, then having some sort of high protein snack after you train is actually a pretty good idea. And you don't really need to be too focused on replacing lost glycogen unless you're doing a massive cardio workout. So if you know you're, you've gone and ran like a half marathon, for example, if you're an ultra distance runner, for example, something like that, then you need to be focusing on replacing glycogen stores post-workout. But that can be done by eating rice and sweet potatoes and pasta and things like that. It doesn't have to be done by having sugar. Um, I know that in general, in general life, we're advertised that we should have some sort of sugary snack after working out, like Lucozade's full of sugar, for example. Most sports drinks are full of sugar. You're advertised that you should be getting electrolytes and glycogen after workout to help you recover from that workout. But actually the vast majority of people don't really need that. Unless you are, like I mentioned, a long distance runner or a, a cardio bunny or someone that's basically done a lot of cardio, it's not actually that necessary to focus too much on that. Your overall nutrition for that day is actually gonna be more important. It's not necessarily what you do post-workout, but it's what you're doing for that whole day. So if you're pre-diabetic, then the smartest advice I can give you is to limit your simple carbohydrates, pretty much eradicating sugar, going on only fibrous carbohydrates like green vegetables, um, root vegetables, and basically meat. So you're getting a lot of protein, like healthy fats, and then you know your fibrous carbohydrates. As a pre-diabetic individual, that would be the best thing to do, focusing on your overall nutrition rather than post-workout. Because for most people, post-workout is not a massive issue, as long as you're getting some protein in there and you're not 
that's actually pretty much it as long as you're getting the right amount of protein and for you guys it's just going to be a little bit of a snack to tide you over until your next meal so that's what we're going to do first and foremost um next thing we're going on to training so what i'm going to do is i'm going to do like nutrition training mindset nutrition training mindset so the first question uh came in from someone actually i was speaking to so we were chatting in the dms and he wanted to know so the guy that was asking me the question he is quite overweight he's looking to try and make changes to his life he really wants to get healthier fitter he wants to lose weight but he's got joint pain and that's because of his weight so he wanted to know what's the best thing to do to kind of get started to make the most out of um his training now when someone's really overweight the best thing that they can do is whatever they can do if walking is painful, then swim. If the joints are under a lot of pressure, then actually swimming is a really great thing to do because it takes all of that load off the legs and then they can um, focus on kind of just getting the lengths in and up in the cardio and moving and creating that energy deficit. So if you are really overweight and you wanna do something, just do anything. The first thing is literally just moving. It's just about moving your joints, trying to create range of motion through those joints because when often when people get overweight and they stop moving as much, it's like a vicious cycle. You stop moving, your body stops being as strong or as mobile and then you stop moving more and then it just kind of gets tighter and tighter and tighter and then all of these symptoms start to develop which will be alleviated by moving. So the very first thing and the easiest thing to do is literally just move, get up and do whatever it is that you feel comfortable doing. If it's swimming, if it's walking, if it's going on the elliptical, on the Stairmaster, if it is doing weight training, whatever you want to do that requires you to do something, that is what I would recommend. Even if it is just a case of standing up at your desk at work or trying to stand up for half an hour every hour or something like that. It's just those small things. Then when that becomes easier, <clears throat> that's when you can start to up it again. It's all about progressive overload. You know, it's like any form of training, it's progressive overload. So you start off with one thing, you start off doing whatever it is that you can, and then once that is easy, then you go on to the next thing, which is slightly harder. So if you can walk, then it'd be a case of, right, I'm gonna go for a 10 minute walk. And then when that is something that's not particularly hard, then you go, okay, I'm going to go for a 15 minute walk. And then after that, it's a 20 minute walk. And then you just start to slowly increase that over time. That is the foundational basis of the vast majority of training protocols, progressive overload. It doesn't matter where you start, whether you're really overweight and all you can do is walk or you're an elite level athlete. Progressive overload is one of the key foundational principles of getting better at sport at pretty much anything and it's actually applicable to most of your things in life because you're not going to go as like a 10 year old kid <clears throat> and be able to do university level maths you have to do like the next little bit of maths that's kind of just out of your reach until that becomes easy and then you go on to the next level and then that becomes easy and you go on to the next level and that becomes easy. 
that is progressive overload of mathematics for the brain. <laughs> I'm just talking about progressive overload for walking for overweight individuals. It is literally the same thing. So that would be it. Now, the first question I had on mindset is one that is more about my personal opinion and less about a fact for you guys. The question came in and I might even still have it in here. I think it was a question that came in on Instagram. Um, trying to find it. No, unfortunately I do not. There's single ones on it though. Um, right, so the question was, what does it mean to be a man to me? <clears throat> Very interesting question. What does it mean to be a man to me? This is something that actually has changed over my life and something that I realized earlier this week. Um, I went for a, I did a podcast and on the podcast I realized that when I was younger, I pushed my idea of what a man should be onto my brother and I felt terrible for doing it. So when I was younger, I thought that a man is someone that's strong, is someone that knows the answers to everything, that doesn't have any emotions. I thought that a man didn't talk about his emotions and literally had all the answers. That's what my idea of a man was. Now I kind of see that that is pretty flawed as an idea because <clears throat> you don't have all the answers. And if you think you have all the answers, then unfortunately you're very much mistaken because there's so much knowledge in this world that there's no possible way that any one person can have all that knowledge. Although we're a lot closer to it now because we have the internet and your phones and you can literally Google the answer to almost any question, that doesn't mean you actually have the knowledge in your head. So being able to admit you don't have the answer, I think shows a lot more strength than faking that you do. Because if you admit you don't have the answer to something, you have the ability to find out that information, learn it, and then you'll up your status as an individual. You'll grow, you'll have taken on more knowledge. So understanding you don't have the answers and getting past that is probably one of the main things. The second thing I think of being a man is admitting your weaknesses. We're not perfect, everyone has flaws. I definitely have flaws. I'm trying to work on them myself and the only way to become better at anything is to admit that you're actually not great at that thing, whatever it is. You might be good at it, but unless you acknowledge that there's more for you to do and more for you to learn, then you're never gonna be able to grow. So admitting your weaknesses or your flaws allows you to own that flaw. It allows you to understand it, own it, it become part of you and then for you to be able to work on it and progress past it. If you deny it and hide it and it just stays somewhere hidden, there's no possible way that you can ever make it better. Like you're not gonna, um, say you're playing sport and you're in a team sport and one of those people is injured. They are a weakness to the team. If that person or if that team ignores the injury to that person, then the team as a whole is weaker. However, if 
the team acknowledges that person's injury, then they're able to act on it, find a replacement and switch them out. And therefore the team as a whole is stronger. So by acknowledging the weakness and by acknowledging the flaw, you're able to deal with it, find a solution and become stronger. And so I think that as a man, that is a really admirable quality to have. And it contrasts to what stereotypically we think of as a man. But actually, you'll be pretty much a lot more successful, I think, if you can admit those things, because then you can work on them and become better. It's all about having that open-minded approach. It's about being able to, um, having that growth mindset, not having a fixed mindset. Because if we have a fixed mindset, we're basically saying, this is all I need to know, this is what I know, and that's fine. If you have a growth mindset, you acknowledge that you know these things, but there's also loads of other stuff that you don't know, and that will allow you to gain more knowledge and become more worldly and all of that. So yeah, I think that's, for me at the moment, those are two things which I think it is to be a man. I mean, there's loads of other things which are important qualities for men and for women. Um, but those are two things which I think contrast to what stereotypically a man is and will help a lot of men to become more comfortable with themselves if they do that. Now, moving on, well, back to nutrition. So we're going on to the second question uh, which came in, which I'm just gonna check again because I think this one was an Instagram question. And You know what's interesting is that sometimes the questions that come through on Instagram just don't appear on the questions that I can put up and I have no idea why that is because I write them down and I hope that they come up on Instagram so I can put them on the screen for you guys to see but they, uh, some of them aren't there. Anyway, um, so the question came in and it was, if you're trying to lose fat, should you still eat carbs after training? Where do I start? First off, carbohydrates are not the enemy. Carbohydrates are a vital form of energy for you in your training, in life, and shouldn't be demonized. It's a massive shame that they got demonized. Like Atkins was such a big diet. And although it is, it, a lot of diets are beneficial at certain points. Some diets are never beneficial. Like for example, what diet would never be beneficial? Any sort of like meal replacement diet thing. I hate those because it doesn't teach you anything. And um, popping fat loss pills, again, fucking hate them. But Atkins would have a place at certain times. Like reducing your carbohydrate intake is beneficial if you're trying to lose fat at certain times of your fat loss phase. Um, just saying you shouldn't have carbs is detrimental. It makes you think that carbohydrates are the enemy and they are what makes you fat and actually that is not the case. Carbohydrates are really beneficial, they give you loads of energy. They are the easiest macronutrient to manipulate when you're dieting because you need protein because it helps you with muscle growth, muscle repair, helps you feel full and satisfied. You need fat because it tastes great and it's beneficial for your mind and your bodily functions. 
Carbohydrates give you energy. And so because they're the easiest thing to manipulate, that's often what it is that we reduce when you're on a diet. But you shouldn't just cut them out. And actually making sure that the balance is right of your carbohydrates is what's going to help you sustain that diet. If you're looking to lose body fat, then you don't want to go too aggressive. Say, for example, you roughly eat 2,000 calories a day, and let's say a third of those calories, it's probably going to be more than a third, probably around 40% of those calories for most of you would be carbohydrates. Um, on a typical Western diet, that's pretty common. So 40% of your 2,000 calories, and this is going to test my maths, 50%, so it's 800 calories, would be from carbohydrates. If you go, I'm just not going to have carbs, then you take away 800 calories a day, 40% of your intake of food, and you're left in a massive deficit. Think about the amount that you're going to be craving food, that you're going to be angry and irritable and like just annoying. Like You're not really going to be able to sustain that. You're going to get tired, fatigued. Your training performance is going to go down. You're not going to be really working as hard in your sessions. And after, unless you're a very strong-willed person, after a relatively short amount of time, you're going to give in and your diet is going to go down the fucking drain because a 40% deficit is for the vast majority of people, completely unsustainable, and they're not gonna be able to maintain it long enough to get the results that they're looking for. The best thing to do is just have a moderate calorie deficit. We're looking at like 10 to 20, maximum 30% deficit. Like 30% deficit would be a lot. You would get quite negative side effects from a 30% deficit. So it's why I say, Roughly 10 to 20% is a sustainable amount. And you can take that from fats. Uh, sorry, you can take those 10 to 20 calories to spit your words out properly, Dave. You can take those 10 to 20% of your calories away from carbohydrates, and that's absolutely fine. You'll still have carbohydrates in your diet if you had roughly 40% of your intake of food being from carbohydrates and you remove 10 to 20%, then you still have. 20 to 30% of your calories coming from carbohydrates. So to answer this gentleman's question, should we eat carbs post-workout if we're trying to lose weight? Yes, you should still be eating carbohydrates throughout your day if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to lose fat, because carbs will help you to stay relatively energetic. They'll keep your workout intensity up. They'll allow you to not make bad decisions around food. They'll help you to reduce the chances of you binge eating when you're feeling down. They'll help you to maintain that deficit over a longer period of time to have flexibility in your diet and to help you get the results that you're looking for. So 10 to 20% deficit, you can take that away from carbohydrates and that's absolutely fine and that's gonna be sustainable. Let's not demonize carbohydrates. They're a fantastic macronutrient, really important for most people. And um, yeah, for, it's for the majority of people. This is what I need to caveat because nutritional advice, nutritional information is not the same for every single person. That information I gave you is for the majority. It is for people who sit within the normal range and kind of comply to standard behaviors around food and training. 
If you are a significantly overweight, obese individual, then there is actually evidence that having a very low calorie Atkins style diet is highly beneficial. If you're pre-diabetic, then a paleo, keto, Atkins style diet can be very beneficial. If you are going to competition and you're only a few weeks out, again, having a very low carbohydrate diet is can be beneficial. But most of you don't fit into those categories. Most of you watching are just normal individuals that sit within a normal body fat range and exercise a moderate amount. And so that's the information for you guys. Great question that's just come in from Washington, 1987, DK asked, does having sex burn carbs slash calories? <laughs> it certainly does, my man. Any form of physical activity burns calories. Mm. If there was any, any, if you ever needed an excuse to say to the missus, listen, I'm on a diet, I need to get my steps in, I need to get my calories up for the day, what do you think? You know, maybe me and you, we could... She might say yes. <laughs> Give it a go. Let me know if it works. But yeah, having sex does burn calories. Depending on how good you are, how long it lasts, can burn more or less. You know, if you've only got like pump, pump, squirt, it's probably not going to be that many calories. But you know, you go for a proper sesh, you're looking at like a couple hundred maybe. Great question. <laughs> All right, next question on the training segment. Um, so the question was, I'm training daily and I've got a good diet, but I can't get my abs to pop, my lower two abs to pop. Now that question came from a female, which I want to address because as a female, having abs and especially lower abs is fucking difficult. It's something that you'll get, you'll see on bodybuilders you'll see with girls that are on stage for and they'll have that shape they'll have that condition for a few days having your lower abs pop as a female is really really difficult very unsustainable and pretty fucking pointless there's not much benefit there's literally no benefit so i would say if your goal is to have your lower abs pop i'd ask why do you want to have that why do you want your lower abs to pop there's no real there's no real need. So um, I would say in answer to that question, if you're training a lot, if your diet's on point and you're relatively lean, I'd be really happy with that because as a female, it's very hard to get super lean. And the majority of girls that do it, it's only for a very short amount of time. It's pretty unsustainable. Um, women carry more body fat than men. That is just the way it is. There's no, there's no real need to be super lean. For guys, it's easier to be leaner year round than it is for women. That is just our genetic makeup, it's just how it is. So um, yeah, I'd say thinking about readdressing the goal, thinking about why is it that you wanna have real low body fat percentage, and then hopefully that'll help answer the question. But it is harder for girls. It's pretty unrealistic. It's not very sustainable. I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't coach somebody to get to that body fat level. Um, it's not what I would, I would do really unless you're stepping on stage. Not much point. 
Question two on the mindset setting. What, how do I balance aesthetic goals and performance goals as a female? Now for me, I think that the reason I put this in the mindset category is because I think this comes down to goal setting. For me, I would say the balance is based on what is my goal at the time? What do I really want to achieve? You can balance performance with aesthetic goals. Really, aesthetics for most people is just about body fat percentage and that can be easily achieved by how much you're eating or how much you're not eating. Basically, is your energy balance equal? Are you um, are you eating as much food as your body requires? Are you eating less food or are you eating too much? Um, you can easily dial in your nutrition and then you'll have a reduction in body fat percentage and then you'll potentially have better aesthetics if that's the, the goal that you're looking for while still focusing on performance goals. And that's going to be something that, again, we look at a small calorie deficit. We don't want to have a big calorie deficit. If you have big calorie deficits, like I mentioned earlier, your performance is going to drop. You're not going to be as energetic. You're not going to have as much strength. That is the case. But if you have a moderate calorie deficit, like 10%, then you're probably going to be able to sustain it. And you're probably going to be able to still hit those numbers, even though you're in a bit of a deficit. So I'd say that that's kind of the approach that I would take. But the best thing would just be focus on the one thing. What's your goal? What is your target? What's the one thing that really matters to you most? Have that as the goal and then address that. Once you've hit that goal, then reassess, think about the next one, and then you can put that in again. So it's all about goal setting. What's important? What do you want to achieve? And then you can make your decision based on that. If you want to try and lose a little bit of body fat whilst maintaining athletic performance, then the best thing would just be a very moderate calorie deficit. But being specific with your calories. Like if your target is 2,000 calories a day, it's not 2,100, it's 2,000. Because if you're only working on a 10% deficit, that's only 200 calories of those 2,000. And if you're you know, off that by 100, then that is a significant amount of your deficit. So I'd say if you're working on a small margin, say 10%, then you wanna be really pretty accurate with what you're doing. When it comes to nutrition, the more consistent that you are, the better, basically. Hope that answered the question. Now, we'll move on to the last nutrition-based question. Uh, this one came in. Uh, this has got to be in here. I swear this question came in on, on Instagram. It definitely did. <laughs> Why is it not coming up? This is so annoying. Anyway, the question was, um, can you gain muscle without gaining fat? Yes, you can, 100%. The reason that most people don't is because when most people gain muscle, they go on a bulk. And when they go on a bulk, they just eat whatever the fuck they want. And it doesn't matter because they're just on a bulk and they want to get fucking hench as possible. And that's fine because you want to make sure that there's enough calories in your body and available for you to build muscle mass. However, you don't actually need that many extra calories. You know, for most people, gaining a pound of lean muscle a month is a significant growth. You know, that's 12 pounds, that's a stone a year. So um, how many calories you need? You don't actually need that many at all. Think of it like when you're dieting, you wanna be on a 500 calorie deficit roughly, you know, you wanna be 10 to 
Think about that the other way. Adding in an extra four to 500 calories a day is gonna be significant enough for your body to use them to grow. You don't have to start smashing off Domino's pizzas and going out and having all the calories because you know, you're on a bulk. Like <laughs> You can do that. You can if you want to, but it's not really necessary. To be honest, most people just use bulk as an excuse to eat whatever they want. And that's fine if that's what they do. But if you want to lean, if you want to gain muscle, but you don't want to gain fat, eat whole foods. Don't eat crap. Eat whole foods that you buy from the grocer, that you buy from the fishmonger and the butcher. Those things, just get those in you. Rice, potatoes, pasta, bread. You can have sweet potatoes, all of that kind of stuff, spot on. Meats, absolutely fantastic. Fish, leafy vegetables, all that stuff. If you eat like that and you eat roughly 10 to 20% more than your maintenance and you lift weights five, six times a week, heavy and you're on that progressive overload hypertrophy type training you're going to gain muscle mass and you're probably not going to gain much fat uh, it's kind of that simple we overcomplicate things but really it's 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 just like that just eat whole foods it's great advice for every single person watching this and hearing it eat whole foods and if you're trying to lose weight or gain muscle if you're trying to lose fat or gain muscle then you're unlikely to have too much of a problem. Because if you're eating whole foods and you're trying to lose fat, then you're going to feel relatively satisfied. If you're eating whole foods and you're trying to gain muscle, it's unlikely that you're going to gain fat. You're probably just going to gain muscle. However, if you eat processed, high fat, high sugar, easily digestible foods from fast food shops, then it's, it's the opposite really. <laughs> It's going to be hard to lose fat eating like that and it's going to be easy to gain fat if you're trying to gain muscle eating like that as well. Right, onto the training element. This is the last question in the training segment today and um, this definitely came in on Instagram. I've def this, this one, I remember looking at it. Here it is, yes. <laughs> one of them came up, fantastic. So the question was, what do you do on recovery days? So what do I do on recovery days? Uh, majority of the time, I'm hungover, <laughs> to be honest. I don't train on a Sunday, usually. I mean, at the moment, I've been training on a Saturday. But recovery days are, for most people, for unless you're an athlete, like an elite athlete, and you're training all the time, and you've got... Um, everything planned out meticulously and you're training like six days a week, maybe even doing double sessions, a recovery day might be a case of you doing a lower intensity uh, workout, some sort of like steady state cardio, or even it could just be foam rolling and stretching and mobility and yoga, or it could be some sort of lower volume weight training. However, most of you aren't doing that. Most of you are people that work in an office or you've got a, uh, a normal job and you train a couple times a week, you know, maybe even you're training like four or five times a week would be really, really good. What do you do on recovery days? You probably do what I do. You enjoy your fucking self. You go and have a great time. You go and enjoy time with your mates. You, you enjoy what's going on in life. You watch a movie. 
you don't really need to worry about it, to be honest. A recovery day for most people is just a case of chilling out and, and that's it. So I, what do I do on recovery days? I chill, go out, have fun, see my mates, watch movies, lie on the sofa. Recovery day is a recovery day. It's just sleeping and chilling and eating. That's it. Boom. Answered. Right, we'll move on to the, uh, the last question of this live, the last question in the mindset category, and this is a really, really cool question. The question was, how can physical activity benefit mental health? Um, first and foremost, I would say that your mental health is it's individual and it's bespoke to every individual. What is good mental health is something that, for me, I think is just being confident in who you are, comfortable not having depressive anxiety negative thoughts but generally being either neutral or in a positive mental headspace so for me that's what i'm kind of like working towards in this training can benefit you because overall by working out we release endorphins and we get that positive reinforcement on top of that when you do it consistently you start to see growth and development and as a result of seeing growth and development you feel like you're achieving something. Every time you do something good, you get a reward in your head. You're like, oh, last week I couldn't do this and now I can. That, just doing that gives you a positive reinforcement and it gives you a sense of achievement. And I think that having a sense of achievement is something that we don't celebrate that much in adult life. It doesn't happen that often because our achievements are usually really spread out. Whereas when we're, we're kids, they happen all the time. You know, you do something like, I don't know, what do kids do? I don't, know. I don't have any kids, but <laughs> when kids do something good, mom and dad are like, yeah, well done, you fucking smashed it. Like, give me a big hug. As an adult, we don't really have that same thing. We don't really have that celebration when we do something good. So going to the gym or exercising and learning to do something that you didn't do before, that gives you a sense of achievement, that gives you positive reinforcement and that that builds especially if you feel like you can't do stuff and then you can do stuff it then just turns it on its head you go from this negative space to a really positive space and that is what i think is one of the main benefits of physical activity for mental health um the other thing is that it can give you a routine i know that if you're you know struggling with uh, anxiety or depression or negative thoughts then Having a, um, a routine can be really, really beneficial for that because it can get you out of the house, it can get you doing something else, interacting with people, because when we become negative within our own headspace, it can often be that we recluse into ourselves and we don't reach out to other people and we don't speak to other people and we can kind of just live in our own head. Training, going to the gym, being social, all of those things allow you to interact with other people. And that is something that can be, that is really, really beneficial for all of us. Like we all crave love and support and friendship. And you can get that from being a part of a group of people which exercise. It might be that initially all you want to do is just being by yourself in the gym, standing on a treadmill or lifting weights with your headphones on. And that's absolutely brilliant that you're, even just getting out of the house and doing that kind of thing, when you feel confident in that, then it could be a case of, okay, well, maybe I wanna to go to a CrossFit box, you know? 
that's going to be a great way because then you're going to be interacting with all the people doing those classes. You're going to be interacting with the coach. You're going to feel part of that community. That is something, again, which is going to be really beneficial for mental health. And I think that just overall for me, it's a case of positive reinforcement. It's achieving things that we couldn't do in the past and can now do. It's getting out of the house and socializing with people and it's getting that fantastic release of endorphins and feeling good about achieving something. So yeah, there's multiple benefits, I think, to exercising on mental health and that's kind of my thoughts on it. So guys, that is pretty much it. We have gone through all the questions that have come through. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you've enjoyed it. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to me ramble on about various different things. It's been a, it's been a good chat today. I've, uh, I've enjoyed this one. This has been great. So as always, guys, if you do want to get involved, if you want your questions answered, all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at david.bertwistle. And then the day before this goes live, there'll be a question on my story. You guys can fill it in. You can send in your questions or you can just DM me. A lot of the questions today came from the DMs rather than that. And then, yeah, you can get your questions answered. So ladies and gentlemen, once again, if you are listening to this on any platform and you have the opportunity to review it, I really would appreciate a little bit of love. It helps to grow. It helps to spread the word. More people can get involved. And that's what we're looking for. Can we create more confidence? Ladies and gentlemen, have an amazing evening. My name is David Bertelsall. See you later.